for just about everything for the outdoors. Go to MidwayUSA.com. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right. I am blue, you are bright and shiny in my mind You got me loving, hating crazy indecision in my mind Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blisey. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blasey, and this is episode number 63, and it is the day after Memorial Day. So it's Tuesday, May 28th, so I just want to take a moment and uh, say thank you to all the servicemen and women out there that uh, are fighting for our country and that have fought for our country. You know, if it wasn't for you guys, we wouldn't be able to do everything and, and have the freedom we do here. And I just want to say thank you to all you guys. And you guys really are the heroes of our country. And I really appreciate everything that you guys do. And uh, yeah, thank you so much. So on to this week's podcast. Like I said, it's episode 63. And today I'm flying solo again. And uh, I will be for a couple weeks probably just because you know, Justin, like I said, he's on his bear tour, and I did get an update from him. He just got done with his first bear hunt, and he was filming. Uh, he was filming a guy that he was with, and they were able to kill. And I uh, can't wait to hear that story. I haven't got much of it, just Cliff Notes version. You know, he's out in the mountains, so I think he's on to the next hunt now. So as he comes through with updates, I will be you know updating, or we'll just wait till he gets back, and we can get a podcast going. So. But for today's episode, I have Joe Sir on with me today. And if, you know, a lot of you guys don't know who Joe Sir is, Joe Sir is uh, Iowa native. And he, if you guys are familiar with anything with outdoor television, he had a television show on the Sportsman Channel called Hallowed Ground Outdoors for about seven or eight years. And uh, since then, he's stopped doing the TV show, but he's doing, you know, he's a content creator. And he, uh, he has his own business called Risen Media. 
So what they do is they go out and, you know, they shoot a lot of short films, commercials, you know, brand assets for any, you know, company out there that wants to use their services. So, and he's top notch. I mean, this guy knows his stuff and he's very good at what he does. So just to break down this week's episode, we dive into the first part of it about, you know, Joe and, and where he come from and, and how he got into what he's doing. And it's pretty crazy how he did it because he didn't have any training in it whatsoever. Never ran a camera, just decided one day to pick up a camera. And now he's at the forefront of our industry. I mean, he's one of the guys, the leaders right now doing great content creation and, you know, He's just really good at what he does. And for the second half of the show, we get into a story of a deer that he chased for four years, three or four years, and was able to get him on the ground with a bow and arrow in Iowa, and the deer is a giant. So you guys need to stick around for that story as well. And a couple updates here. You know, for everybody that does follow the podcast, you guys are probably starting to see a new logo pop-up. So a couple episodes ago, I said, you know, I, Justin, I kind of put him on the spot and I said, I got a surprise for you. Well, you know, maybe it wasn't a surprise for everybody. It was kind of for, for me and, and, and for him, but you know, we're a year into this. So the podcast is a year old now. And uh, I want to thank everybody for the support and everything throughout this first year. And it's been great. Can't wait to see what year two has in store for us. But, you know, as we come up on a year, I, I wanted to rebrand the look and the feel of the podcast so I felt like the logo needed some updating and uh, after kicking around a few ideas we come up with something and here it is so on Instagram and and YouTube and and on the podcast you're going to see a little different logo but it's still us so hope you guys enjoy that and uh, yeah other than that you know happy Memorial Day I hope everybody had a great weekend and a long weekend and partied their butt off but was safe about it hopefully so Kicking off the work week here, uh, I want to kick it over to this interview with me and Joe, so hopefully everybody enjoys it. But before we get into that, lastly, I do want to mention America's Best Bowstrings. We still have the fall podcast code going on right now, so type in fall podcast at uh, checkout on America's Best website to get $10 off your orders, $99 and over. Go in there, check out the Pursuit, the Premium, and the Platinum line, pick out your colors, you know, if you want speckled, twist, you know, what serving color you want, what shrink wrap you color you want. And uh, like I said, at checkout, type in fall podcast for $10 off, orders $99 and over. So with that being said, let's get to the interview. All right, on the phone with me today is a guest that I've been wanting to have for a long time, and his name is Joe Sir. Joe, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. I appreciate the opportunity to chat a little bit. Yeah, you know, uh, we have a mutual friend in uh, Zach Sutherland, and he kind of made the connection with us. And and honestly, from afar, for the the longest time, I've been following what you've been doing and really have kind of looked up to you. And you've been somewhat of an inspiration to me as far as, you know, filming and content creating and everything. And this is it's a, a really good opportunity for me and I'm I'm glad I could, you know, get you on here and get the time to do it. And, uh, I'm excited about this one. I am as well. And thanks for the kind words. I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No problem. Um, you know, before we get too far, can you kind of explain, you know, who you are and, and what you do and, uh, where you're located at? Yeah. So 
I am, I hate to say this, I'm 36 years old, so I'm get, I'm getting up there a little <laughs> bit, I feel. Uh, 36 years old, I basically, I, I live in Northeast Iowa right now. That's, I guess that's where I call home. I've, uh, it's my, my dad's hometown. My grandparents are here. We uh, live on about 10 acres of, of the home farm, um, and that's where I do primarily all my whitetail hunting and everything, um, just I've got a wife, uh, been married uh, for quite a while now and long enough to have uh, four kids. So I've got a 10, 8, uh, 6, and a 2-year-old um, right now at home. We've got three boys and a little girl and, um, yeah, work, do production full-time, uh, content creation within the hunting industry, um, which is is just an absolute blessing to to do something that that I love on a daily basis, and uh, yeah, living in the country, creating content, hunting deer, uh, and just yeah, just very very blessed. Yeah, for sure. And you've got four kids now. <laughs> I've yes. got I've got one daughter, and she's a year and a half, and she's enough for me to handle. So how are you handling <laughs> four kids? You know, doing uh, as much hunting as you do, and you know doing your job as well. I mean, you're a business owner, so how do you balance that? Yeah. I, uh, number one is a good wife. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. um, my wife definitely works a lot harder than I do. Um, every time I'm on a trip, it means she's stuck at home with four rug rats. And, uh, when you're sitting around a campfire telling stories, you know, it's usually happy hour at home and she's fighting kids with baths and putting <laughs> them to bed and stuff like that. So good wife is definitely, is definitely number one, but it, it, you just got to keep having more, man. Cause it, 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 it gets easier. One is, one is a big life changer. I think two is, is, uh, is not as big of a transition as one. And then three, it's like, you only have two hands and then four, you know, the kids are old enough where they can start taking care of the younger ones. So pretty soon we got some built-in babysitters too. So there you go. Yep. yeah, no, it all, it all works out. Kids are, kids are good. Yeah, I, I really don't really like to be outnumbered, to be honest with it. In my luck, I would have like two more girls. So it would be like living in an estrogen ocean over here, I feel like. And uh, it would just come home and I would open up the door from work and I would just close it because it just, you know, things would be, everybody would be doing girl things and I'd be outnumbered. So I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, well, I think God says he's, he doesn't give you more than you can handle. So, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, to to jump right into it here, I'm interested in, you know, going back a, a few years and I, I really am interested in how you got into, you know, content creating and filmmaking and, and honestly, you had a TV show for a while too, a very successful one, one that I really enjoyed. Um, you know, was that something that was was a passion from when you were little or, you know, when, when did that start growing? And is that what you kind of wanted to do? Like when, when did that happen? Yeah. Good questions. Um, I had absolute, like doing anything within the hunting industry was not even on my radar in any way, shape or form until after college, after marriage, when we moved, um, back home to Iowa. I mean, I grew up, I grew up, sports was my thing. Um, I thought for sure I was, you know, my goal was to play college basketball. I thought I was going to do like personal training and stuff like that. And, and went to college and uh, switched majors about four times and got, got married while I was in college. And then um, 
got married and, and my senior year after I finished basketball, you know, because of switching majors, I had to go, I was going to have to go back to school and my grandpa, uh, sold insurance back here in Northeast Iowa. And I knew that I didn't want to, I just knew that, that school, my major stuff like that. I, I knew I wanted to be back home, uh, in Northeast Iowa. And, um, and so we kind of, I mean, I left school like eight credits short of graduating. So, um, I, I moved back to Iowa with my wife and, um, started selling insurance. And I mean, I grew up, I grew up hunting and fishing, um, that those were two huge passions of mine. I was actually homeschooled, um, from sixth grade on, which taught me a couple big things. And it was the great thing about it was I did school, uh, about three hours a day. And the rest of the time I was pretty much out in the woods or fishing. So, um, I always used to think, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I'd done more hunting and fishing than a lot of grown men had done in their whole entire life. Um, so I just, I lived it from a very early age and, you know, having a family farm and and a grandpa who hunted and a dad who hunted that was instilled in me at a young age. And, uh, I just had an opportunity to just kind of, um, just go, go wild with it. Um, and that passion grew, but it obviously took a little bit of a, a standstill. I was in college, um, especially playing sports and stuff. But once I moved back, it was like, you know, totally immersed back into, um, into whitetail hunting. And, you know, that's kind of where it started for me was just like every kid who wants to, every person who kind of has, uh, a yearning to do something that they love. Um, you know, I started to watch outdoor television and started to just kind of, I guess, see in my mind where the things I didn't like about outdoor television, it was kind of a time where everything was about the kill. Um, or at least in my mind, it seemed like everything was about the kill. And, uh, I just thought, you know, hunting to me was so much of a process and so much about a story and I just thought that there was an opportunity to do something a little bit different and and tell that story. And it was right about that same time, um, you know, I think uh, Heartland Bowhunter was just kind of starting. And there were a couple other shows that kind of had that story-driven type content. And that was right where my mind was at. Um, and so, I mean, really basically it started like, hey it would be great to have a TV show and get paid to hunt. And that was the extent of my knowledge or I guess my ignorance, (laughs) my ignorance, probably if you will. Um, I had never filmed anything. I had never, honestly, I don't even know if I'd taken a still picture before. Um, Definitely never edited anything. Uh, The only little bits of artsiness in my veins, I could draw a little bit like in grade school, but that, I mean, that was it. It was, it was basically, out of the blue and it was an idea in my head and a vision for what it should be and the passion for hunting. Um, and then it basically just turned into, I mean, I literally, I was stealing my parents, uh, handy cam from in, in the house and we were running (laughs) around in the woods and filming random adventures. And, uh, I mean, that's, that's basically the start of it right there. So, you know, you took the handy cam and mom and dad were, were probably wondering where the heck that was. Yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> you know, so you just started in with filming and, you know, at that time, you know, like you said, kind of being ignorant to it, like even, even me as well. I mean, I, you know, I'm 32 now, so I'm, I'm not too much younger than you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the, the Michael Waddell's were, were kind of 
what we looked at as well and it yeah. was like then you hear the story of michael and how he started with realtree and turkey calling and then became a cameraman and and it was like you know it's like everybody wants to be the next Michael Waddell where there is so much more to it than just being on TV and getting paid for it, you know? And I think yeah. that was cause I wanted to do it as well. Um, I mean, I, I filmed my first hunt successful hunt actually just pushing record and, and, and just aiming at, a, at a deer when I was 16 and you know, my, my teacher in high school, let me edit it for, for, uh, my video productions class and put it on, the announcements for everybody to see, you know, for all my nice. friends to see and everything. And when I got the reaction from everybody from there, that was kind of like, well, I love hunting. And I was just like, you love sports. I played three sports in high school and, and went on to play college baseball in, in college and, and did that. And, you know, you always have those dreams that you like, you want to be in the pros, you know, you want to, you want to yeah. do that, but it's like, realistically, then I, you know, went to college for the video productions. And that's when I really started taking more initiative initiative to it and you know so it's it's uh it's pretty crazy how you just had this this epiphany or this thought and that and that's what you know you took it and you took it from there and if anybody hasn't seen your work they really need to because you are one of the top content creators or producers that in, in my eyes in our industry and me now knowing your story getting in there you've really worked your butt off to get where you're at and it really shows I I really respect that about you and that's that's crazy because you you taught yourself right I mean mm-hmm. was there any more teaching did you go to any video schools or do anything like that no no um actually so eh. And man, it, I mean, it was, it feels like it was so long ago, but we actually, you know, started to film and then, uh, started to film, I think maybe one fall, uh, with that little handy cam. And it was like, you know, then everyone, the next talk is like, oh, you're a field staff. Oh, you've got sponsors (laughs) and, you know, trying to figure out. And this was before like social media too. So things weren't, you know, there was, there was so much, it was tough to find things out. It was tough to contact companies. Um, it was back when, uh, you know, every like media kits were hard copies and, you know, things like that. So the things have changed a lot since then. Um, and, but I knew like, Hey, if we want to have a television show, you have to get sponsors. So I literally, you know, I, I think my first thing I told my wife and she was crazy that I was going to do this. I bought a, I bought an iMac and I had like their stock program for editing pictures and we started taking some pictures and I, I mean, literally sat in a spare bedroom of our house and shot on a black screen, no clue what I was doing. Basically (laughs) like the story of, you know, like, Hey, this is who I am. This is how I believe, you know, outdoor television should be shown. Here's my philosophy on it here. You know, like here's some of our clips. Um, everything was done in iMovie and I basically just started, uh, I mean, like I went to the print shop in, you know, our small town in Iowa, got media kits printed up and then I just started contacting companies. Um, and I mean, that was literally within a year of starting to film. Um, and then, I mean, some companies started to actually like respond to us. And I was just, you know, I was, I was blown away by that. Um, and then it, it was like, we had a couple sponsors, none of which were, you know, financial by any means. Um, but for a kid out of college with no clue what they were doing, when you got a product from someone, you know, you felt like you were on, on top of the, on top of the world, you right. know, at that yeah. point. 
Um, and then it was like, Hey, well, let's, you know, let's, let's see what it takes to have a television show. And then that's kind of when reality sunk in, when we got numbers back from the sportsman's channel and it was, you know, for one year, it was more than your student debt and, and stuff <laughs> yeah. like that. And then, and then things got, you know, got real, uh, from a business standpoint real quick. So yeah, I never really edited anything. I had no business training, um, at all, no formal camera training, uh, honestly, even at that point, I mean, you know, YouTube wasn't even something that no. it wasn't even like you were looking that up. It was just all, it was all what kind of the vision that I had in my head, which I think is really important for, for content creators. You know, now there's a lot at our fingertips. There's a lot of things that you can learn. Um, a lot of people will, yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many cameras out there at your disposal. Um, but I think a lot of it just plain comes down to, you know, your ability to, to tell a story and to hit people in the gut and, um, you know, for that vision. So I think just by the, I think that made just something that God has blessed me with, um, that helped, you know, get, get that start and helped kind of, uh, put me on that path, I guess. For sure. And, you know, one thing you were saying about story and I've done a couple of podcasts with, with a couple other podcasts out there and, they've wanted me to come on and talk about cameras and filming and everything because they were kind of just getting into it. And, you know, a question that I get a lot is, um, you know, what camera should I get or, you know, what should I buy? And it's like, well, I kind of take a step back, you know, to those people and I say, well, the camera, your story means more right now than Mm -hmm. the quality of your, of your camera. I mean, you can shoot still, you can still have good composition. You can still have, you know, the right shots and everything with a, you know, little handy cam right now and put a story together. And then, you know, nobody's going to turn it down just because it's the quality is not like, you know, 4k or or 6k or, you know, and so that's where I kind of tell people to start. Don't break the, break the bank because, who knows if you're going to want to do this in a year, you know, sure. or, or longer, just go out there and tell the best possible story you can and learn from it. And, you know, in my, in my opinion also is you, you become a better shooter when you're editing your footage as well. And vice versa, you become yes. a better editor when you shoot, because, you know, a lot of these television shows out here, they have, some of them have editors that don't shoot. And then I'm not saying nobody can push out a good product that way, but I feel like they go hand in hand and they really need to be a cohesive, you know, a cohesive project, I guess you could say. And yeah, that, that's the first thing I tell everybody. But, uh, I mean, do you get that question a lot? Like, you know, how do, how do I get into this and, and what should I do? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. You get that question a lot asked in, in different ways. And no, I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, I, I think I posted a picture on Instagram a little while back, um, kind of like a throwback Thursday. I think I probably had our, you know, one of our first video cameras and then one of the cameras we shoot with right now uh, for commercial projects is a red. And I think as a Canon T2i was my first DSLR. And to be completely honest, there's times where I want to throw that red, you know, in a lake and just <laughs> pick up the T2i because there's just something with that simplicity and ability to not miss things that are happening in the moment. Um, 100%. and sometimes, yeah, that sometimes that's a lot more important than, uh, a lot more important than an image. And, you know, especially now with social media and, and where, where stuff, where your content is being shown, you're, you're exactly right. Like there, a lot of times there isn't a ton of difference, uh, 
a ton of difference between the quality of those two. And, and a lot of it just comes down to your ability to tell a story. Yeah. And I agree a hundred percent with you. Like still to this day is my favorite camera is the 5d Mark II. <laughs> sure, I, sure. I, I love that camera. And, um, there's some things obviously I would change about it. and it's very outdated now, but it's, we still have, uh, one of them and there it's still a solid camera, but you know, we've been doing a lot of Turkey hunting here in the last couple months and, we're running and gunning with A7S twos. And it's like Mm -hmm. just this morning I was talking to some of our other field producers and I said, you know what? I just want to throw that thing in the corner and take a PMW (laughs) 300 and put it on sticks and let's go, you know, cause it's just, it's just convenient. And it's like, it almost becomes more work when you have, you know, like you were talking with a red. I mean, if you don't know what you're doing with a red, it's, it, it's a little bit of a learning curve there, you know, yeah, and absolutely. same thing with like uh FS seven as well. If you haven't really ran them, you need to kind of learn the ins and outs of them. And so I totally agree with you on that. There's days I just want to throw that a seven, but then it's like, you know, the <laughs> low light capabilities in that is, I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable what that camera can do in low light. So it's, yeah, you know, for in the tree, it's really nice because I mean, we can last longer than a hunter almost. And it's, it's nice, but, um, yeah, yeah, no, you want, you want gear that is going to allow you to reach your full potential and not limit you. And that, whether that is maybe sometimes a, a simpler piece of equipment or, you know, when you do have needs like, you know, the A7S, A7S2 with those low light capabilities, um, you know, sometimes that's the tool for the job too. Yeah, for sure. Now going back a little bit, uh, your TV show was called Hollowed Ground Outdoors, right? Yeah. Yep. yep. Okay. So where did yep. the idea from Hollow for Hollowed Ground come from? And you know, what was the what was the uh, train of thought for that? Yeah, that was just something that was that saying that kind of idea that philosophy was just something that I had in my head. I mean, that's what uh, that's what the outdoors are to me. Um, an opportunity. I think if there's you know every single person who has an opportunity to enjoy a sunrise or just to be out in God's creation. Um, you know, that's, that to me is hallowed ground. Um, it's, uh, so that's kind of, and, and anyone who followed the show saw kind of the ways that we tried to intertwine our, um, our beliefs, um, in that. And that was just very, you know, that was kind of at the core of who we, who we are and what that show was about. Um, so it just kind of, kind of seemed like a good, a good fit that was very true to the, to the, you know, yeah, to, to who we are and why we love the outdoors. And, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that show. I, and thank you. I was asking Zach the other day because honestly, in the last couple of years, I haven't watched a lot of outdoor television and honestly, I haven't watched much television at all just because with my, my daughter now, I just don't have a lot of time. Yeah. And, um, I was asking Zach, I didn't know you guys weren't doing it anymore and you were just doing the risen media and, I was kind of bummed when he told me you guys weren't doing it because I like to, because it's usually on my DVR. And when yeah. I, sometimes I go back and look at it and I'm like, well, it's not there anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. but yeah. you're, uh, you're just going forward with Risen Media then? Is that, is that, uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, the, um, yeah, the show was, the show was a huge part of, of, you know, where, where I am today. And, um, it just, it was just kind of the natural progression of things. We, I, I mean, honestly, I'm kind of almost even drawn a blank. We did seven years, um, with hallowed ground 
And it just got to a point where, uh, you know, thankfully, um, business was good. Production business was good. I never thought that it would turn into doing production stuff. Honestly, when we first started, um, I was leveraging a lot of our sponsorships, like working with sponsors. And I, and I thought this right from the beginning, um, is that, you know, sponsors who are putting money into TV, they weren't necessarily getting a lot back for their own, their own marketing purposes. Um, so we kind of built out media kits based on like, Hey, if you, you know, if you work with us, we'll also create a commercial for you and provide these type of, you know, uh, assets for you and things you can use for your own marketing. Um, and we started making these commercials and started giving them pictures and started creating trade show loops and things like that. And companies actually started to use them. Um, and then I think our first year we, um, won best new series and, I think our second year we were I don't know if it was just nominated for a couple years for best intro or some different things but all of a sudden within a few years kind of just developed this portfolio that a production company would have um, and then it slowly started to progress into um, you know just doing production work for companies and and then over the course of those seven years and and changes you know tv has changed quite a bit and with the social media uh just kind of changing the way that everyone views content and a lot of companies needs um it just slowly started to take over the need for the show and it just got to the point where you know i couldn't do i couldn't do both of them i definitely couldn't do both of them well um, looking back, you know, everyone who was on hallowed ground, we had some great guys on the team, JD Hewitt, he was a huge part of it starting. Um, I don't, you know, definitely couldn't have done the show without him, without those guys. Um, and it, it just got to the point where like, man, none of us had kids when we started. And all of a sudden we had three kids and, you know, everyone was kind of a weekend warrior. Um, and it just, it just got to the point where we kind of, kind of outgrew it and it was just time to, and God was just saying it's time to move on. And um, so definitely enjoyed that time. But now, yeah, it's, it's straight up Risen Media. I mean, honestly, flirted with the idea because what's cool about what we do right now is I'm still blessed to be able to do a, a lot of hunting and probably even more hunting than I was doing with the show. And then we're also able to go out and capture stories of other people's hunts um and there's just on a daily basis whether it's hunting you know management here on the farm like literally every single day we're creating content whether it's our own stuff um you know hunting wise or for clients and um i mean we flirted with the idea of of doing some sort of digital hallowed ground type series or things like that but um, right now things are just too busy, so it's not God's timing yet, but, but maybe someday we'll bring that back in, in some way, shape or form. Cause there's definitely, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of, uh, content sitting on hard drives that yeah. people, that people would enjoy. I can only imagine we're replacing <laughs> right. hard drives every day. It seems like and archiving yeah. them and it's like, yeah. man, yeah. And, yeah. um, so you, you essentially ended hallowed ground and okay. you kept going with the risen media. And now I, I can see, you know, what Chris and Casey go through with having a production house and having, mm -hmm. you know, a marketing house and how many employees we have and, you know, having two TV shows of just their own. I can see how much work that you were probably doing because you were probably helping a lot on the edit side and right. doing the producing of it. And that's what I've been doing for Chris and Casey for the last seven years is editing Rival Wild and producing it. And that's kind of been my baby. And 
you know, they don't have time to do that and they don't, you know, yeah. they don't essentially press the buttons either. You know, they're not editors and they're, they're good producers. Yep. You know, they produce in the field with us as well, but yep. Yep. I can see where, you know, it probably got to be a lot of work, like you said, with the family and everything and, and growing that. And I can totally understand that. But, uh, uh, now with risen media, can you explain a little bit more about risen media and, and what you're doing and, you know, how many employees you have? Yeah. Yep. Um, I honestly, I, I should just sit down and, and define what exactly we are. Um, sometimes <laughs> I have a great, a great answer to this, but I mean, we are, we are content creators. Uh, we create, whether it's video, whether it's photography, um, we do, we're starting to get into social media management, um, and do that for a couple different companies. Um, but I think that, you know, our bread and butter is just creating content that, that moves people um, for other companies' marketing purposes. And then also just internally within uh, with our stories, um, we've got a couple films that are coming out this year, um, just hunts that, that I'm on. And um, right now it's just it's me, and I've got a very talented kid, John Lockwood, um, who works here as well. So he's a big part of, big part of anything good that happens coming out of here. Um, but that's it. It's just us two, and then we, we'll work with – um, you know, some close freelancers from time to time, but, but pretty much, you know, my goal is to keep it small, keep it manageable, um, create quality versus quantity, um, and just, and just do good work and tell compelling stories. And we've been blessed with some phenomenal clients. Um, and, you know, our main goal is to create content that's going to help those clients move the sales needle. Um, so, and that's just kind of been our philosophy and, and so far it's been, it's been working for us and we're, we're really busy. Um, so that's, that's, that's a good thing as well. Yeah, for sure. And keep doing what you're doing. Cause I, I love watching Thanks. all your stuff and, and seeing your posts every day on Instagram and your pictures. It's, it's, it's motivation for me and it's, it's inspiring too, just to, kind of keep my game up and try to keep it going a little more you know and it's just it's always it's it's never good to get in a comfort zone so it's always to to keep going and and pushing forward um so that's really cool Uh, you know we're coming up on a half hour here and I, I would like to go for an, at least another half hour but I I have uh for the second half of the show here Zach told me I needed to bring it up here and <laughs> and I, and it could be because he was the one that produced the hunt but he said we need to get into the G thing buck okay uh, yeah. and talk about the, all the years that you had history with them and and that's that's what I love is the stories about that and and uh, he said it's a heck of a story. So I think he was kind of wanted a shout out in a way. Okay. <laughs> All right. But uh, <laughs> he told me to, to to bring that up, and so we could get into that. If you're willing to, I'd, I'd really like to get into that deer and and yeah. uh, take it from the beginning when you when you first you know had him on the farm and and what that was like. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well. Um. So the farm that I primarily hunt. Um. And a lot of the reason that I just stick to it is because a it's a family farm. It's in my backyard, um, and I just I love the management process so much that I just I would rather invest into, you know, in, I'd rather just invest into this area and work hard at managing and and uh, making it into the best possible hunting, you know, property that I can um, for our enjoyment than I would 
that I and then travel, you know, and hunt somewhere else. So right. I, I yep. literally spend the majority of our time, my time right here. And obviously with a family, it's, it's way better to be, be able to be out of stand and back home in 15 minutes and so on. But, uh, but I just, I just love that, that management aspect of hunting that really is, that makes the end result or harvesting a deer, um, way more rewardable to, or rewarding to me. So, but a little background on the property is, you know, I grew up shotgun hunting, um, at a young age. And that was kind of like, I mean, we'd end our first weekend of gun season with, you know, if there were 14 guys, there'd be 14 dead bucks. And the, you know, the biggest one would be a two-year-old eight pointer. So management was never, at least for quality deer was never really a thing on that generation's radar. Um, and then, you know, because of the TV show, people didn't necessarily want to see two-year-old eight-pointers getting shot. So that's kind of where there was a switch in mentality to me. Um, but 240 acres is also, I mean, it's a blessing to be able to hunt that, to be able to manage that, but you also can't hold deer on it. I mean, people who have much larger tracts of land, um, you know, it, we don't, we don't own the deer. We can't control them, but right. we can only do as, as much as we, you know, as much as we can. Um, but, a I guess a, a true trophy buck, a true giant, and you and me were talking about this before we went went live. Like, also people think of Iowa and there, and they think you know there's there's 170 inch deer around every corner, and that's just not the case. Um, we are if you drive 30 miles east of where we're at, the deer on average, I'd say they're 15 to 20 inches bigger. Um, just the the way the land lays, the way that people hunt. Um, it's just a little bit more designed for deer to get a higher age structure, to get a mature deer, a mature buck around us, um, for a long time was, was very, very difficult. Um, but through proper management and, and, and different things, you know, our, our age class is starting to get, to get older. So we're seeing better deer. I mean, our, you know, we've got four year olds that are still 135 inch bucks. If not, everyone's not, they aren't giants, but, um, but G thing or the G two buck, we, he kind of went back and forth as he grew because his, his G twos changed every year. So <laughs> it, it didn't necessarily make sense, but he was a deer that, uh, uh, that we picked up on trail camera as a three-year-old, um, or as, uh, yeah, as a three-year-old when you could really recognize what he was, right. um, had a couple encounters, opportunities to shoot him that year, both on, I mean, literally the first day of the season. And I think well, like the second to last day of the season, like we could have shot him and I was in TV, TV mode at that time. Okay. And it, you know, TV mode to me is the interesting thing about TV was it changed my perception of success so much. I used to be a guy who, like I love to hunt whether I killed something or not, but um, I could go on a trip and come back unsuccessful, you know, feeling a tag as far as feeling a tag, but feel very that it was a successful hunt. Right. Um, and then TV changed that so much because you'd be gone for a week or you'd invest so much into something. And if you came home empty handed, even though we were a story driven, you know, we were a story driven show and, and that's part of hunting, you also can't make TV by doing that. 13 weeks in a row, you right. know, so you yep. had to be successful as far as killing something. So like literally passing the, the G thing buck at three years old, when, when we needed a show bad was actually very, probably the first, like one of the first <laughs> tough things that I did, like, but, but anyway, um, how, that was how kind big of a big was he that year? You know, he, I mean, he wasn't, 
he was a you know he was a hundred and thirty five inch ten pointer. I mean okay. by no means a by no means a giant, but um but just I mean a nice respectable <laughs> quote unquote TV buck. You right. know it would have made a great it would <laughs> have made frame. a great episode. We always say yeah. he's a good good TV deer. You know he's a yeah. good frame. He looked great on TV. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh but we passed him knowing that next year you know he could definitely turn into something good and then um. So as a four-year-old, you know, we went through all our, our management stuff throughout the spring and planting food plots and doing everything we could to enhance the property. And then he started popping up as a four-year-old and he, you know, he absolutely blew up um, between three and four and he was a great deer. And at that time, I mean, four-year-olds, like I said, were, they were few and far between. So he was definitely, there was him, there was actually another deer that was, that was really good that year as well. Um, but he was still kind of, we, we didn't find his sheds for some, some reason, um, the year before. And then, but anyway, but kind of had an idea of where he was living. He started showing up on trail cameras. Like I said, he just, he exploded. He was a great deer, mature deer, number one on our hit list and never saw him at all. Like the whole entire year, never saw him, but he was on pictures. I think it was like two days before season he he disappeared i mean it was just like clockwork and i was thinking i was going to kill him right away um he disappeared and i think i don't think zach was filming for me that year um but the season went on i think it was like mid-november and we had to do some filming for a project and i wanted to go to a part of the farm that was you know like the least likely to mess up any hunting like the only little chunk of timber that was like, there's no deer here, for yep. sure, you know? <laughs> and so we went there and we ended up kicking him out with a doe. And, uh, you know, I, it, it just kind of was an interesting piece of the puzzle. I ended up putting a trail camera there and starting to get, started to get pictures of him all the way through the rut. Like he was literally bringing does there to breed them. And he spent the whole entire rut there and never had an encounter with him, an opportunity to shoot him. Um, and then the next year we actually built a house, um, literally right by that chunk of woods. And I put a food plot below the house thinking that, Hey, this is going to be a great spot to watch deer. It's going to be a great spot to take the kids out. You know, when we only, when I get done with work 10 minutes before we should be out hunting. Um, but also in the back of my head thinking that this might be a spot to kill this buck. Um, and then, you know, summer went on. And then we started to get pictures of him just like clockwork, same exact thing. You know, then between four and five, he, he absolutely blew up. Like then he was a legitimate, you know, he was a, he was a giant deer at that point. And, um, you know, literally every single night he was on trail cameras, same thing as the year before. And then as season approached, you know, two, three days before it just trail cameras just went dark and nothing, nothing of him. Um, and knew it was probably going to come down to trying to catch him in the rut. And typically I don't hunt on the weekends just because I try to reserve that for family time. Um, and we actually had my in-laws in town. Um, and I was, we got some picture windows that, that look out over a CRP field and down to the food plot. And my father-in-law was, um, was sitting, it was a Saturday morning. He was sitting down there drinking coffee and with the binoculars. And, you know, I, I think I got up and I asked him if he'd seen anything good. And he said, no, put the binoculars down to, to go and get a refill of the coffee. And my wife came down and she's like, there's a giant deer. And they knew, they knew his name and knew who he was. Yep. And, 
And, um, I mean, my wife doesn't, doesn't hunt very much, but she, she's around it and listens to it enough. And, right. <laughs> and she knew who he was and he was actually with the doe, dogging this doe into that food plot. And, um, I, I, you know, I probably moped around the house enough that day, um, to where she, she let me go out and sit that <laughs> night. And, and my father-in-law, like he's from West central Minnesota. It's not, not good deer hunting, never seen a buck of that caliber before. So we snuck into a blind that night, uh, me and my father-in-law and Zach. And, uh, we snuck into the blind and, and my only thought was he was locked down with that doe. And hopefully, you know, at some point she would bring him back out into that field. And, um, you know, we sat there, it was late afternoon and all the windows were shut in the blind and I could hear crashing in the woods. And I just instinctively, you know, just thought it's, it's him. I whipped open the window and uh, Zach hit record on the camera and he came tearing out like he had lost his doe. Um, and it was just kind of a, a frantic, uh, kind of frantic sequence of events. Right. And he, he gave me a shot and, uh, I ended up, I ended up making a horrible shot on him. Like the, I, I thought I clean missed him. Uh, long story short, we're, we're doing a, we did a film on it. It's in the full draw film tour. So you, you can, I, I've probably made a, a relatively simple story a lot more longer than it needs to be already, but it was just, I mean, it was just a cool hunt, tons of history with the deer. Um, just, and then, you know, just the feeling to be able to watch it buck like that for that long. Um, and then have it all just play out the way that it did and eventually harvest it is just, I guess to me, that's kind of what hunting's all about, or at least, you know, that's, that's what I want, you know, ideal in a, in a perfect world. That's what I'd love to hunting to be a, about be harvesting deer that you have a history with and that you worked so hard to, um, you know, try to develop a plan to, to, to hunting them and killing them and harvesting them and then have it come together. It was just a, a pretty awesome feeling. And yeah, yeah, that was the year that Zach was there. So if, uh, if there's good footage in the film, it's because <laughs> of Zach. <laughs> good, so, good deal. Yeah. So Zach's yeah. got enough, to, enough play on the, uh, on this podcast. So uh, yeah, he's yeah, got a yeah. shout out, shout That's out. That's a shout so. out. There you go. Um, oh, yeah. so what did, what did that deer end up scoring? Man, I think he was, you know, he was like 176 on, honestly, it was, uh, it's, it is weird though. Um, I, you know, I sitting here at my off in the office and looking up and he's right above the desk and there's, you know, there's a hand there's, it's kind of surrounded by deer. There's deer everywhere in the office. And it is really interesting that he's, a, he's an awesome deer, maybe the biggest deer I'll ever shoot in my life, but the importance of that score, just how little in the end that that right. really meant to me. Yeah, you know, I've got eight. For I've sure. got eight pointers on the wall that uh, that that have are just as important to me. Um, but I, I think it was like you know one seventy six and some odd change or something. Yeah, so, I mean just just incredible, an incredible deer. Yeah, incredible deer. You know, and it's funny you bring that up too because everybody gets or a lot of people get drawn into the inches game. And I just like me asking you there, how big he was, you know, that's, that's what we've come to, you know, is like, that's the best way to describe it. And I agree with you. Like it's, it's not all about the inches. It's, you know, I'm looking at a buck right now. I have a pedestal mount of, and I shot him here in Michigan. He's a 115 inch seven point. And Mm -hmm. he meant so much to me because he was, you know, I filmed him all summer in the beans when he was, you know, and velvet and all that stuff and, and went out there and hung a stand specifically for him 
and and got a chance to take him on opening night and that was with my bow and that was you know that's so cool and he's not a giant by any means you know but he's just the story and and everything going into it is is one I'll never forget and um mm. you know and it's it's sad to say that our social media and and stuff like that has really took you know the score of deer you know it's almost like you're not accepted if you don't uh if you don't you know harvest big things or kill big animals you know and I I really don't like that and you know because that's it's that's bonus you know that's it's the journey to me that's the real the real prize you know in the deer camps and the like you said you you know your father-in-law was with you and and to share that with him and be able to do all that stuff and with your kids you know and that's that's what's fun and and what what means the most to me yeah yep yep out no I'm, I'm with you man so we'll you know here wrapping it up here soon um what do you got going for for this next year i mean what what stages are you in right now are you putting in food plots i know you guys are really rainy over there in iowa right now what's your plan of attack this summer yeah so our uh our our spring food plots are in our corn and our beans um we we do a lot of we i mean we have to fence off um all those food plots in order to even give them a chance to get through and, and, you know, be a food source when we actually want to hunt. So, um, we'll start doing that, um, here in about, in about a week or two, we've got a a big content trip coming up here. We've kind of busy production wise, um, for the next couple of weeks, but we'll be getting those fences in, you know, and then trail cameras out. And then as we get into later in the summer, get our fall food plots. Um, we're going to be playing around with, um, some different uh scrape trees last year we put in water holes you know just trying to do different things to um just to kind of experiment and and put ourselves in a better position to be successful so a lot of that type of stuff um this fall is going to be busy with with kids yeah. kids are going to be hunting a little <laughs> yep. bit more uh, you know stuff like that but then obviously we'll hit you know we'll hit whitetail stuff super hard here um hoping to get out west i'm uh looks like i'm gonna do a new mexico archery elk tag or elk elk hunt which i'm super pumped about um maybe get out after some mule some diy stuff for mule deer and antelope um and then we've got a couple elk films we're going to be doing rifle for clients um potential to go back to canada and do a whitetail hunt uh in the bitter cold from a tree stand. So that's going to be a interesting challenge, um, in and of itself. Just, you know, you think about sheep hunts and all these extreme type things, but man, 20 below zero sitting in a tree stand for 12 hours a day is going to be, is, yeah. is going to be pretty miserable in its own way. Yeah. Uh, but, but from a film standpoint, if that comes together, we've got some pretty cool, uh, some pretty cool ideas for it. Um, and then, man, I feel like there's a, there's some other exciting stuff coming up, but, um, just kind of, you know, the fall, the fall comes, <laughs> the the fall comes and it's fast and furious and it's loaded with work. And, uh, so should, should be an, it, it should definitely be an exciting, exciting time, whether it's personal stuff or, um, work with clients, we've got a lot of fun trips and some cool stories to tell. So we're definitely, 
definitely excited about it. Very cool. You know, that hunt in Canada from a tree stand in the cold, honestly, that is like my biggest bucket list hunt for a whitetail. Yeah. I want I, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is. I want to do that so bad. And yeah. Um, my cousin, his uncle for, I don't know, for 12 years or, and he's still doing it. He goes up there every year. He does it with a gun, but I mean, they, he brings home these big, heavy chocolate rack deer. And I just, for some reason, I just, it's so cool. And you know, that's the one I want to do. So I might have to have you back on to talk about that trip after you're done with it. I really want to, want to know how that goes with you and, and, uh, what it's all about. Cause maybe I might be singing a different tune once you're thinking, well, my left hand's frostbite (laughs) and my nose, I can't feel that anymore. You know? So, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's cool. You know, when we were talking early before we jumped on, it's like deer, you know, whitetail hunting is not the same across the board and you get up there and we actually did i shot a nice um buck up there with a rifle this past year and um you get up there and it's i mean there's deer that can come out of the woodwork late season that have literally never seen a human before right you know it's just it's it's just it's different and although it's you know then there's things that you can take from it and apply back to make yourself more successful you know back home and um, it's just, it is a totally different experience and a, and a very cool hunt, but we were in blinds then and it was cold enough. So, um, <laughs> I, I heard we, we kind of have this idea for, for the stand location and it involves the cameraman being able to be in a box blind filming. And then the hunter who at, at, at this point, that's me sitting in a tree stand. So <laughs> I don't know how fair that is, but, <laughs> but it, it could be a pretty cool trip. So that's awesome. Well, I, I want to thank you for coming on and doing this. I want to respect your time as well and let you have the rest of your evening tonight. Um, but thank you for coming on and doing this. Well, and thank you. We'll, we'll do another one for sure. Um, you know, for anybody out there that wants to look at your stuff or, you know, follow you guys, where would be the best way to, to see your content and follow everything on a day-to-day? Yeah, honestly, the best thing would be just uh, look me up on Instagram, joe.sir, and um yeah, that's kind of at least the the top end of the funnel where if we have anything that comes out, films, things like that in the future, um, that would be the, the first place that you'll hear about it. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you very much, Joe, for doing this, and uh, hopefully you have a, a great fall ahead of you and a great summer, and, and uh, good luck to you. Hey, thank you, and I greatly appreciate the opportunity to chat for a while. I'll have to do it again for sure. Yeah, no problem. And there it is. I mean, another great conversation. Hopefully everybody enjoyed it as much as as much as I did. Um, Joe is a guy that, like I said in the podcast, I've looked up to for a long time. I mean, if you guys haven't seen any of the stuff that he's done, please, I encourage you to go check out anything he's done, Instagram or, or uh, I think he might even have some stuff on YouTube. I'm not for sure with that. I'll have to check that. But go and check anything out on his Instagram and you know check out Risen Media like I said he had a, a TV show a very successful hunting television show you know for a while and they just did really good work and you know I appreciate Joe coming on and doing this and and I say it every week with a lot of these guys but I'm for sure going to have him on as well you know I'm, I'm looking to do this uh, series coming up here this fall and, and getting past guests that I've had on for a, a short kind of episode every week that's what i'm trying to work out right now and uh kind of like a rut report in a way but just kind of like an update rut report just kind of you know all over 
the U.S. and see what the deer hunting's like there, and 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 be real time with it. So if I record one tonight, it's going to be up tonight, so you guys can hear that and kind of see if that's in your area what's going on. So that's uh, that's one thing I want to really want to get Joe back on for too as well. And like I said, it's a series I'm starting to just hash out here and, and get it going for this fall. But uh, I hope everybody had a great weekend. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. Back to work and back to reality. And uh, don't forget, next week we'll have an all-new episode. Thanks, guys.